0: You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrgs.nl. And now, let's get into the podcast. Welcome to Crossroads. Good morning once again, especially on this third Advent Sunday uh, my name is Steve Ashworth, and I'm uh, thankful to be here to be able to share today uh, on this, uh, yeah, as part of the teaching team, especially as we continue uh, our Advent series on the name above all names. I'm especially thankful to be here today because uh, for the last four days I've been home sick, uh, and people have been praying uh, for me uh, to have a strength, and I hope not to cough through the service. Uh, or the sermon, but um, but in any case, I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful that you're here. And for those who are also watching online, I'm thankful that you can also join in in uh, this time of worshiping Jesus and receiving from him uh, as we celebrate Advent, which means arrival. And we're looking forward to His arrival. Advent calls all who consider themselves followers of Christ, regardless of politics, ethnicity, or, or background, to come to the stable. And there fall on our knees, on our knees as the shepherds would have, yielding our allegiance, yielding our hearts, yielding our will to the newborn king. And in this series, we want to rediscover the true meaning And purpose of Christmas, to help us do that, we are looking at the words, at the titles used by the prophets, by angels, shepherds, and the gospel writers to describe Jesus at the events of his nativity, his birth, his incarnation, God coming to us. And so we do And as we do this, we'll seek to grow deeper in both our understanding of Jesus and our faith in him. The titles given to Jesus help us understand the the meaning and purpose of Christmas and to come to know the person of Jesus as we anticipate his return, his arrival, the advent of his coming. And not only do they tell us about Jesus, but they also tell us about ourselves. The titles help us to understand what Jesus incarnates, what he embodies in who he is, and all that he calls us to incarnate, how he wants us to live our lives today and into the future. In the last two weeks, We've looked at two of these titles, Emmanuel, literally the with you God, Emmanuel, the with you God, and Savior, what is, which was actually Jesus' name, Yeshua, actually means the Lord is salvation, Yeshua is, means Yahweh is salvation, the Lord is salvation he's our savior. And today we're considering the royal titles used for Jesus. Christ, Messiah, king. So let's read. We'll start reading in Micah ch- chapter 5 verse 2. It says, "But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. And then Luke 1:30 30 through 33. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And then in first chapter, uh, the first chapter of Mark, from verses 14 and 15. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is come near. Repent and believe the good news. So let's unpack this morning the titles of Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the King. The title Christ, or the Messiah, appears more than 500 times in the New Testament. But what did the early followers of Jesus believe when they called Jesus the Christ? Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we hear that a lot, um, sometimes uh, in, uh, in our day-to-day work, maybe not meaning what we would want to mean, um, but Jesus Christ Christ is not his surname, it's not his family name. Christ is a title and has a very interesting history and meaning and a connection to Messiah and King, and that's what I want to tell you about today. Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, and the same word in Hebrew is Mashiach, and it literally means the anointed one. Christ and Messiah have the same meaning. When someone or something was anointed, a special oil was smeared upon it or poured out over the object or person. Psalm 133 talks about the precious oil running down Aaron's beard. So it wasn't just a little bit of oil that they used. It was running down enough to to come down his beard and and all over his clothes. It wasn't just a little bit of oil. This morning as we we, uh, began the service, I I asked the the prayer team if they would also pray for me uh, to anoint me with oil. (laughs) They didn't pour oil over my head, (laughs) but um, they, they just put it on my forehead to pray for me. And so let's unpack a little bit the meaning of this word anointing and see what it means for us today. In the book of Exodus chapter 30, if you want to look it up, God tells Moses to create a sacred, scented anointing oil. And that he must use it to anoint the objects used in the worship in the tabernacle, the the portable temple of God's presence with the people to make those objects holy. And then Moses used the same oil to anoint the people who would become priests, Aaron and his sons, and then they too would be holy before God. Centuries after this time, of Moses, when Israel asked God to give them a human king, God had the prophet Samuel take oil to anoint a man named Saul, where you find that in 1 Samuel 10. And from this time on, Israel's kings would be anointed by their prophets and priests. Like the priests and altar furnishings, the anointing of the king happened at God's direction and on God's behalf. It signified that the king was holy to God, set apart for God's purposes, ruling on behalf of God, representing God, and doing God's work. It meant that this person, this object, belongs God to me. That's also God's desire for you. That's God's desire for us. He calls us to be a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And to this day, we practice anointing with oil in the Christian faith. This morning, as I said, anointing is a sign for this one, for the one being baptized, for the one being confirmed or appointed for ministry, or anointed at illness, or even approaching death, that they too belong to God, are holy and set apart for God, and that the Holy Spirit's presence is with them. You may recall that this is what we did, and that was the very purpose of our anointing Sunday that we had just before summer. Today, priests, ministers, and kings are still anointed with oil. Priests and ministers to the ministry of the word and the sacrament, and kings to the service of God and people. For both the anointing symbolizes the belonging to God, and being set apart for God's purposes. So when kings were anointed with oil, and some of you may have seen the the service with Charles. They didn't show that exactly, but they said very specifically he was going to be anointed with oil. So whether in years gone by or still presently, when kings were anointed with oil, they were meant to understand that you rule at the pleasure of God. God is the king of the universe. He is the ruler of all creation. As if God was saying to them, I am lending some of my authority to you, to rule, to accomplish my purpose. Think about that for yourself. (laughs) You're meant to be a royal priesthood. God's lending some of his authority to you for what God's called you to do. That was the idea behind anointing someone with oil. And over the centuries, when the Jewish people were no longer ruled by their own kings, when they were ruled by foreign kings, the prophets would speak and say, the day is going to come when God is going to raise up another king. Rhonda and I had the opportunity this last Sunday to go to the concert cabal. We just barely made it. (laughs) And there was the Handel's Messiah. It's about the Messiah. It was the gospel being presented in every song. And in that Messiah... And it famously incorporates one of those prophecies from Isaiah. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And Isaiah and the other prophets would paint this picture of the coming of the ideal, perfect king who will rule with justice and righteousness and free the people and be a shepherd for the people. And as he shepherds them, he would bind up the wounded, nurturing and caring for them, find and bring back the lost sheep so that they might flourish and be strong. And people began to focus on this. And to long for this, as the kings they had would never live up to the call that God was putting forth for the king of kings to come. David was the closest they got. And so the people of Israel developed this hope for an ideal king like David. And this is what became known as the messianic hope. Which brings us to the time of Jesus when the Romans ruled. And the king at the time was Herod the Great. And he, like those before him, didn't live up to the messianic hope, the messianic ideal, the ideal that the prophets had laid out, and that the people were longing for, waiting for, hoping for the coming of the anointed one, the Messiah. 700 years after the time of Isaiah, the Jewish people were yearning for just such a king. But it was Herod the Great who ruled over the land, and he was no just and righteous king from David's royal line. And even he ruled only at the pleasure of an even greater king, the emperor of Rome, who was no just and righteous king from David's royal line either. It was in this context of a deep longing on the part of many for the Messiah to come that the angel Gabriel appeared to young Mary in Nazareth saying, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Curious where he might have put the emphasis in uh, his message to Mary. But there in the midst of the angel's annunciation to Mary was the old promise given by God to David through the prophet Nathan in 2 Samuel 7. That a descendant of David would rule Forever. And this child was the one of whom Isaiah's royal titles could rightly be used. Matthew begins his account of Christmas with these words. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. At Advent, we are preparing ourselves to celebrate the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. And to remember the longing and the hope that the prophets spoke about for years and years to come. About to, and, and to remember not only that longing that took place in the past, but to remember afresh once more why we need him today. This is a time of yearning and waiting and longing so that we can fully celebrate the truth of Christmas The truth that light and love, forgiveness and redemption have come into the world through Jesus Christ. And as John says, the darkness can never extinguish that light. We celebrate that when we celebrate Jesus' birth. The darkness can never extinguish that light. Still, we recognize the chaos and darkness that's in this world that the prophet spoke about from the ages past as the prophet Jeremiah shared about the voice heard in Ramah with mourning and great weeping for the children that were no more. We are confronted daily with the children who are no more with leaders who do not live up to our hopes and desires, with wars and oppression and upheaval, and families still fleeing for their lives, just as Joseph, Mary, and Jesus became refugees in Egypt. But we're also remembering that Advent Advent means arrival and that Jesus said he would come back. And with Advent, we also yearn for, wait, and anticipate his arrival again. Jesus said in John 14, that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back for you. And I love how he says, I will come back for you. And we want to be ready for that. When he looks at you, when he looks at me, welcoming us to his eternal kingdom, saying, Well done, good and faithful servant. Are you ready? He wants you individually to be ready, he wants us corporately to be ready. For his coming. Now, along those lines, I, I want us to think carefully what we find about Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah, as the anointed one in the Gospels. The very first verse in Matthew's gospel names Jesus as the Christ. The first verse in Mark's Gospel names Jesus as the Christ. When we look at to Luke's gospel, we read on that the night that Jesus was born, the angel shows up for the shepherds and says, don't be afraid, look, I bring good news to you, wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. You you may remember the Magi in Matthew 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born, born king of the Jews? And we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. As a baby, they recognized him. That he was king. And then later in his life when Jesus was busy with his ministry up in the northern part of the country, he turned to his disciples and asked them, who do you say that I am? And he said, Matthew 16, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Then as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on the back of a donkey, people recognized that as a sign from the prophet Zechariah and they shouted, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Then we see throughout the arrest and crucifixion of Jesus, the idea of Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah. In the New Testament, And throughout all the epistles, the name commonly used by Paul is he is the Christ. Means He is the anointed one. And then when you get to the very end of the New New Testament, we read in the book of Revelation. Revelation 19, 16. On his robe. And on his thigh, he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is both Messiah and King. Advent is a time to call to look to Jesus, to his coming again. And in this, in between time to also look to his values and his message as the driving force in our lives. Above any economic, political, or any other force in our lives, we come from different parts of the world, are from different church backgrounds, have different life paths and experiences, but we are united under one king, King Jesus Because we share the same king, we are brothers and sisters in God's family called to live according to the values of our king and the principles of his kingdom. Jesus is meant to be our king. He is gracious, he is kind, he is just, he is truth, he is life, he is healing, He is wisdom. He is patient. He is eternal. He is majestic and glorious. He is king of all kings. Do you know him today? Do you know him today? You can applause if you like. That's who he is. That's our king. That's who we serve together. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.